Welcome to this week's episode of Walking Between Worlds. I'm your co-host, John Mazzarella. And I'm your other co-host, Kylie Trout. We know that we all see the world differently, so join us as we walk through those differences together. Welcome to Walking Between Worlds, presented by Culture Bound. So are we ready to go? I think we're ready to go. Okay, let's get started. Let's do it. Welcome to this week's episode of Walking Between Worlds. I am one of your co-hosts, Kylie Trout, and I'm here with John Mazzarella. Today, we're going to be talking about what it means to live in a globalized world, and we're going to be tackling the question of who are your neighbors? I'm really excited about this one. I absolutely am as well, yeah. And I'm excited to have uh, Lauren here with us, Lauren Wells, who is the director of training over at Culture Bound. Good to be here. Thanks yeah, for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you here. And so, Lauren, um, give us a little bit of your, your life story really quickly. I know you grew up in... Um... My life story quickly. Yeah, quickly. I know, right? <laughs> I grew up in Tanzania, East Africa. So that's where I spent most of my childhood years. And then uh, about six years ago, there's a lot between then and now, but about six years ago, my husband and I moved to Portland, Oregon. And that's when I got involved with Culture Bound as a volunteer and eventually moved up to where I am now. So I've been the director of training for Culture Bound um, for the past few years and love what I do. Awesome. Wonderful. Yeah. So we just wanted to start out with the question for you. So we kind of hear all the time how the world is is globalizing. Um, what can you explain to us really quickly what that actually means when people say that? Yeah, so we don't know what a globalized world looks like because we haven't been a part of it yet. But when we talk about a globalizing world, what we're meaning and what we're saying is that more and more people are living outside of their passport country. So they're not living their daily life in their country of origin. They're moving into another place, and likewise, people from that place are moving out into other places. So everything is becoming more intermixed, kind of that melting pot feel that we see in some other places. We're starting to see all over the world, no matter which country it is. Sure. So what what's the reaction to that when you're living in a new place or you're, you're, you're living in your hometown, but there's so many people there's an influx of people from plenty of other places how does that affect how does that affect life yeah well it makes people super uncomfortable on all, <laughs> on all sides the people who are going the people who are staying um and the reason for this is something that we call cultural balance so cultural balance is something that everybody seeks to maintain and that's how you survive in your society and your culture is you maintain this cultural balance and you learn how to do that when you're young and your parents tell you the things that you're supposed to do so say please and thank you and don't yell in the grocery store and don't run in the library and be respectful to your teacher so you learn all of these things as you grow up and you learn how to maintain cultural balance so that you are successful in life and so that you fit in and you don't upset the way that we feel life should work. And then as you get older, it's reinforced by law enforcement and the government and laws. And we have this way of doing life that becomes comfortable. Everybody intuitively knows what the right things are to do and what the wrong things are that you shouldn't do because you'll be either excommunicated or you'll just get a funny look from somebody or you'll be kicked out of the library or whatever it is. Um, But we all intuitively know what to do and what not to do in order to get by successfully in our society. 
and have good relationships. But what happens is when people move from different parts of the world and they enter your society, it upsets the cultural balance. They may do things differently that subconsciously give you some sort of a visceral reaction. You feel like, oh, that was not what they're supposed to do. That's not how things should go. And so what happens is this cultural balance gets upset. And when cultural balance gets upset, people get super uncomfortable. And so they start to polarize and connect just to their own like groups who have the same cultural balance. So what you have then in reaction to this uncomfortableness is increased immigration laws, you have segregation, racism, all the different ways that we develop to keep our like kind together. But usually it's subconscious. It's just a natural response to the uncomfortableness of people around you doing things in a different way than you would do them. What's a um, what's a good example of something that's subconscious that we might not realize that relies on that cultural balance? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, well, if you are at a restaurant and you're eating dinner as a family, what to you should that look like? What are some of the the typical rules that go into that? Uh, not talking too loud, um, disturbing the other customers around you. Um, while sitting in a way at the table where you're all next to each other within speaking distance. Yeah. Um, just Eat table manners. Food off of your own plate and yeah. not take things from <laughs> mm-hmm. other people. Yeah. How do you communicate with the wait staff? I mean, I would I would say generally you, you want to be polite. Some people aren't so polite, just depending mm-hmm. on your view of those people and how they're serving you. Yeah. Um, but generally, yeah, you be mm-hmm. you're you're polite and you you ask for what you need in a in a polite way. Yeah, for sure. So that is an example of something that you almost do subconsciously. You know what the general rules are for eating at a restaurant in a polite and respectful way. And so if somebody else comes and eats in that restaurant and maybe they're at the table next to you and they're doing it a very different and what to you seems disturbing way that you're sitting there going, oh my goodness, they are not being respectful. They're not being polite. They're not doing things the right way. They're whatever, whatever, it feels to you like they are disrupting the cultural balance. They are making you uncomfortable because they're doing things so differently and you just subconsciously know how it should go. Interesting. So, for example, when I take my two-year-old to a restaurant and she starts screaming in the middle of us eating at the table, uh, that's uh, disrupting my cultural balance that I Yes. Have with restaurants mm-hmm. because she's disrupting the environment. She's, you can tell people are usually look over and go, oh, the kid, you know, mm-hmm. she's screaming. She's not eating her dinner. She's throwing her food on the floor. So that's kind of that subconscious, like, mm-hmm. oh, something's not right here. Like, uh, she's not, I mean, she's two, so you can't really blame her, but she's not following the, the balance. And in our culture, we expect even two year olds to behave in that way. So some people mm-hmm. will give you dirty looks and think, or say, why can't you control your child, mm. right? Like, right. this isn't yeah. okay, this is disrupting, this is not how you act in a restaurant, even if she's two. In many other cultures, they would say, she's two. That's what two-year-olds do when you're going out to eat. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. It's That's part of, of the norm. Nobody's going to look at you funny. Nobody's going to do anything. It's just, yeah. it feels normal. And then there's, there's some restaurants where that might be okay. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's at a McDonald's and it's in the play place, you're going to expect little children to be right. running around versus in a mm. high-end, like, 
steak restaurant, that's going to be a little more abrasive. For mm. sure. Yeah. And even, I mean, you can look at those as different cultural environments too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So the next question I've got written down is how, how does cultural balance look in a globalized world? Yeah. So like I said, when cultural imbalance happens, so people move in who are not from that culture or you move somewhere else and you're not from the culture where you're going, it creates this uncomfortableness and that creates cultural imbalance. And what we have to realize is that cultural imbalance, while it feels really uncomfortable, it's not wrong. The goal of globalization cannot be to eliminate cultural imbalance and to create cultural balance because that won't happen. We're not all going to be able to subconsciously do life together in a way that feels natural to everyone. That's never going to be the case because we have so many different cultures and so many different ways of thinking, and that's a good thing. So cultural imbalance is okay. We just have to consciously decide that it's okay mm-hmm. because otherwise we subconsciously believe that it's not. And so part of this idea of a globalizing world and learning how to love our neighbors in the midst of it, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit later, part of that is realizing that it's okay to be uncomfortable and you almost have to be uncomfortable in order to love the people around you who have a different balance than you do. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So kind of the first step then you're saying is just to be aware that you're going to be uncomfortable. Am I on on point with that? Yep, for sure. And that that isn't bad. I think Mm. a lot of the time when cultural balance is disrupted, we think, ooh, uncomfortable, bad. But it's not. It's, ooh, uncomfortable. How can I learn this? Mm. How can I figure this out instead of running away from what feels different? And that sounds like it takes a lot of self-awareness of your own cultural balance Mm. uh, to start off with. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really important that you figure out the things that are culturally normal for you by being self-aware and realizing that there are these things that are parts of your culture and that there are some things that may not be bad or good, that you think that there are ways that things should go, two-year-olds should not scream in a restaurant, but is it is it bad if they do? Is that a sinful immoral thing for a two-year-old to sin or to for a two-year-old to scream in a restaurant or does that just feel uncomfortable because Mm -hmm. it's your culture so trying to kind of sift through these things and figure out what things are really not good that i truly believe are are bad and then what things are just cultural that i have just grown up believing are good or bad in order to maintain cultural balance right right thinking about the globalized world and all we just talked about does that happen on the local level as well, or even the state level or a country level within with our, our own communities? Yeah, for sure. I think it can even happen between families. So we can talk about culture, and we do at Culture Bound talk about culture on a variety of levels. You can have infinite levels of culture, and you could be talking about one family versus another family's way of doing life, or this subculture of Portland versus this subculture of Portland, or this state versus another state. Like, you can go... Mm-hmm as broad or as tight as you want to and this can apply to all of that so anytime 
there's somebody doing something a little bit different than the way that you grew up feeling like it should be done, Mm -hmm. that's going to offset cultural balance. We can get into cultural balance conversations about marriage a lot, too, that when you enter into a marriage, you're probably going to find some cultural imbalance because you grew up in different household cultures doing things different ways, and usually the, the tension comes when there's something that's imbalanced that one of you thinks it should go this way, the other one thinks it should go that way. And it's that imbalance. And you're trying to figure out how do we balance this to make marriage work. Right. I'm sure we can um, think of plenty of examples that fall under under that zone of conflict. Of, mm-hmm. Man, I think this is wrong, but maybe it's just because I grew up believing that was wrong and not because yeah. not, not it's actually inherently an issue. For sure. It's interesting, it's interesting to see how... Even within those, what you think is a really close culture to one another, even within families and stuff like that, there still can be those imbalances mm-hmm. and those different mm-hmm. different values. And I think that's why it's important to think consciously about it, because a lot of the time you don't realize yeah. that this has anything to do with culture, especially when we're talking about marriage, right? Yeah. If it's a mm-hmm. cross-cultural marriage, obviously that's going to come up. But if it's not, you're from the same town even there's still going to be things that are cultural that you're going to have to deal with. And if you're not aware that it's cultural, then you start to think of it as maybe a character flaw or a issue with them or that sort of thing when perhaps it's just part of your culture and the way that you grew up. Totally. Um, so it's, it sounds like kind of, you know, when you start looking at how to bridge some of those differences, it starts with a desire to, well, first, like being aware of yourself, kind of like you said earlier, but... Yeah also having a desire to understand rather than just jumping to react in a hostile way. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So part of this is learning to love your neighbors and making understanding them your goal. So if you look at them and start thinking, well, this is wrong. This is not the way I would do things. This is different and it should be done like this. You're not taking the time to understand why it is that they're doing it that way. Mm-hmm. And not taking the time to realize that perhaps they didn't grow up with the same cultural messages being taught to them. And so, of course, they wouldn't do that that way. They're doing it the way that they grew up learning how to do it inherently so they could main, maintain cultural balance in their own culture. You know, reaching across those um, barriers is not an easy thing to do. So I guess the next question is, why is it worth it to do that? Why would it why would I purposely make myself uncomfortable just to get to know someone else's culture? Where's the value in that for me? Yeah. So I think the first thing is that it is valuable to see that there are different ways of doing life that opens up your perspective. It opens up the way that you see the world because you're able to kind of get out of your own culture that you have grown up in and that little box and see that there are a lot of different ways of doing life. And that is an amazing attribute for you as a person. So personally, it's helpful. But then beyond that, it becomes a huge asset because as our world grows increasingly globalized, we're going to have to have people who can be cultural bridges and who can really help to marry those different cultures and teach people who haven't heard this podcast or haven't heard about this idea, you're going to have to bring it into their awareness. And that will be really important in the workplace or in churches or in a variety of different um, 
places, it's going to be so important that there are people who have taken the time to understand people of a different culture who can then go and teach other people how to build cultural bridges or bring that into the awareness of somebody. So for example, if you are working a job and your boss is having struggles with a, we'll say, Korean coworker, and the boss is clearly struggling to figure out how to communicate with this person. They speak the same language, but they're not doing things the same way. It's clearly not going well. You can be the mediator and the cultural bridge that says, I don't know much about Korean culture, but I do know that there are lots of different ways to see the world. And let's try to figure out how we can look at these things and see how we can come to a agreement that works for everyone. Or maybe you can think about um, talking to him and hearing how he is understanding this because it's probably very different right. than where you're starting on your end mm -hmm. because of your culture. So you're able to be that cultural bridge, which is a huge, huge asset for you. Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge draw or a motivator, at least. Like, I know for me, if I'm wanting to be a helpful person, like, mm -hmm. hey, I can actually, I can, I can solve this conflict a little, at least for a little bit or start the resolution process. Yeah, for sure. I think that most of us want to spend our lives being contributing members of society. We want to help people grow. We want to do um, good things. Like We want to be a contributing person in the world, not just somebody who stays in our little bubble and doesn't ever do anything. And as our world becomes more globalized, we're going to have to learn how to do that across cultures because it's going to be critical. Otherwise, mm -hmm. we're not going to be effective. Mm. So thinking about a globalizing world, who, who are our neighbors and who are going to be our neighbors? So I would define neighbors as anyone who you have the opportunity to connect with. And the idea here is that you choose your neighbors. You have the opportunity to connect with a variety of people in your daily life and if you're not conscious about it, you'll usually just gravitate toward the people who are like you. So you're likely to think that your neighbors are people who are very similar to you. And there probably are those people. But if there's opportunity to connect with people who are from different cultures, who are not from a similar background as you, then those people are your neighbors as well. It's that, that opportunity piece. So as you're going about your day, as you're going about your life, your neighbors are the ones who you have a chance to connect with. And whether you do that or not is is your, your choice. That's up to you. And how do you do that? Like, say there's someone struggling at the grocery store and I want to go and, and help them or connect with them and they don't speak the same language as me. How do you do that? Yeah, so language is a barrier, but it's not it's not the barrier. You're not right. stuck there. And I think that, that a lot of people are intimidated by the language barrier, mm -hmm. but you can still help them. You can still build relationship even without language, which I know sounds crazy. Um, but when we moved to Tanzania, East Africa, we moved to a village where everybody spoke Swahili and we didn't even know how to count to 10 in Swahili. We didn't know anything. And so we got there and we had to learn how to speak the language by being in community with the people there. And we certainly had to get around without the language for a while at first because we had to buy groceries and we had to 
try and figure out how to get places on the buses and we had to figure it out without the language and you can do it it's uncomfortable and it's challenging but you can do it and if you like your example kylie see somebody in the grocery store struggling and you don't think they speak your language you can still offer help and if they're struggling they're likely to know that that's what you're doing if you're right communicating that with your body language so totally thank you that's a great explanation it is i can think of a, a taco truck i like to go to and uh, the lady that runs it only speaks spanish um barely any english and i basically just speak english and like no spanish um, so it's a little uncomfortable to go in order because it's always kind of a process to communicate with her um, but it's very rewarding for the fact that tacos are amazing. <laughs> but also just building that relationship with her and taking that step out to say, you know, I'm going to put myself in an uncomfortable situation, um, in a situation where sometimes signals might get mixed, but keeping in mind that it's um, for the benefit of both of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And when you start to think through what's the worst case scenario, you're not likely to offend her when you're ordering tacos. So maybe the worst case scenario is you get the wrong tacos that you didn't order or something like that happens and that's okay. So I think that a lot of the time we use language barrier as an excuse to not let those people be your neighbor and to not talk to them or order food from them. But we don't think through what is, what is the real reason why I'm not doing it? Do I, am I really concerned about getting the wrong tacos or is this just making me feel uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. And if it's just making me feel uncomfortable, then I probably should do it because that is how we're going to build a relationship and learn to understand people right. who are different. Right. Because we can have so much insecurity going into those situations. It's like, well, either like, oh, they should they should meet me where I'm at. If they're here, they should be speaking my language. Or if I maybe I'm maybe I, I do want to learn a little bit of Spanish to interact with this this lady selling tacos. And what if I pronounce things wrong? What if I don't? get it all right and the reality is like well like there's there's gonna be some grace on both sides and there has to be mm -hmm. you know For sure and i think that understanding people or trying to understand people communicates love to them mm -hmm. and so even if you're not doing that by speaking the language you are doing that by actively engaging with them in whatever little bit of the language you know or none of the language but you're working to understand who they are and once you get to the point of talking to them, so perhaps it's a person from a different culture and they do speak English or they speak broken English and you're seeking to understand their culture and why they do things this way or why they always wear this certain headscarf or why they do things the way that they do them. Why do they tell their children this phrase all the time? Things like that. Then you start to really get to know them and understand them. And that's how you really love on people especially people from different cultures mm -hmm. that communicates love when you are seeking to understand them and the way that they're doing life. Yeah. I know that always makes me feel appreciated when someone is actively trying to understand where I'm coming from or, or my heart behind something, even if we do speak the same language and come from the same place, you know? Yeah. And that crosses cultures, right? That's not just an American thing. That's something that People all over the world want to feel understood and accepted and like they belong. That is a, a common Basic humanity. Human human, yeah, exactly. So that's something that will communicate love um, just by simply putting yourself out there and, and being okay with being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. A few episodes ago, we talked with uh, Terry Steele about American cultural patterns. And one thing that came up was how we tend to, as Americans, have very mechanical relationships. Mm -hmm. 
and that differs from other cultures and that sometimes can be a barrier in how we build relationships and build um, and communicate with other people around us, especially when they've come from a different culture. How do we get around that, around the mechanistic relationship of, well, if I figure out how to communicate this person, then I can figure out the formula of how to love them well. Yeah, so I think that the question there is maybe inaccurate. <laughs> that mm. um, The question isn't how do we learn to understand them so that we can love them, but instead learning to understand them is loving them. So by trying to get to know who they are and their culture and the way that they do life, that's how you're showing love to them. And so it's less mechanistic um, than assuming that once you understand them, then you can find ways to, to love them. And I think that takes away. So talking about the uncomfortableness, we often use the excuse of I don't want to offend or I don't want to um, say something wrong or do something that might make them uncomfortable. And so we don't do anything. But you don't have to do those things. Like there, there isn't something that you have to specifically do to show them love other than trying to get to know them. So you're not trying to come up with things like, oh, maybe I should take them flowers or oh, maybe I should say this particular thing. If you're just seeking to understand them, you're not worrying about those mechanistic right. things right. Um, and worrying about offending them through it. You're just simply showing up and asking questions and trying to get to know them. Yeah, it's kind of like a it's like a first date. Like mm -hmm. you go out, you go out with someone for the first time, and what is it? You're asking each other questions about each other's lives, right? To help the other person feel understood. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Loving is understanding. Understanding is loving. Is yep. that what I'm hearing? Pretty much. Mm. That's awesome. That's powerful. And that's really freeing to hear. Like, you know, if I'm, I'm, I'm an American, and I'm used to. You know, I really like formulas that I can just follow and figure out, figure someone out and figure out the, the three things that I can do to love them mm -hmm. and to feel that. I mean, that's kind of a weight that we we, we carry mm -hmm. and to realize it's so much simpler than that mm -hmm. is is really freeing. It helps me break down that thought pattern a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And I think also when you have that thought pattern, you start to get into a project mentality. And so you start mm -hmm. to think wow. of the person Absolutely. as your project, assuming that there's a time when you're finished with the project. And so you start to think, well, okay, my mission, my project is to get to know this person and to love this person. And once I do, I'm done. I have accomplished that task and that project and I finished it. But the idea of actually loving these people and understanding them is doing life with them just like you would any other friend who is from your culture. You're just doing it cross-culturally. And that is truly loving those people yeah. for a long period of time, not just for a short time to check off this cultural thing off your list. Huh. Well, I have not thought about it that way. Yeah, <laughs> me either. It, it's a lot simpler just to, just to, to love people and understand them but it's a lot more messy at the same oh, time. Oh, for sure. It is. And that that's also exciting and uncomfortable at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. The question for today is, who is it that you have an opportunity to be neighbors with that you might be avoiding or you feel uncomfortable about because it would throw off your cultural balance? Who are you 
subconsciously, but also purposefully avoiding interacting with. I can think of a few people myself. Mm -hmm. So this is also a question for me and the listeners, because that's, yeah. that's quite the challenge right there. For sure. For sure. And as you answer that question, and as you think about that question, keep in mind that the goal is not to be comfortable. It's to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So if that is your excuse, it's not a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty convicting. That is, that is. Well, thank you for being here, Lauren. Yes. Yeah, this thanks was, for having me. This was so great, yeah. We'd love to hear your response to the episode or any questions on culture you'd like answers to that we didn't cover today. Feel free to send your response and questions in an email to podcast at culturebound.com so that we can answer your questions. You can also support us by liking our Facebook page, following our Instagram account at culturebound.official, subscribe to our email updates through our website, or you can set up a donation through our website as well. That would be culturebound.com. We also going to have all of the podcasts in written form on blogs, on Medium, or on our website. So if you'd like to read instead of listen, you can also have that choice too. And if you want to dig a little bit deeper into culture and learn more, we offer very affordable classes on our website, culturebound.com. Yep, we have a, an introductory course that's up there for a pretty low price. And that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>